Now, the first couple of Texas radio. Here's Bill and Allison Mencaro. Allison. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, everybody listening. Thank you for joining us this morning. On a Saturday morning, a chilly Saturday morning. It is. It's yeah. a nice break from the weather we've been having, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we are Bill and Allison. We are sometimes wrong. But we're always right. We're always right. Fighting a never-ending battle for truth, justice. In the American way. Yeah. We are never PC, but we are proudly PI. Politically incorrect. You're politically incorrect, but most of all, we strive to be BC, biblically correct. And uh, trigger warning, we are non-binary, non-binary here at the Hill Country Patriot, your information station. I'm a native Texan. Allison, you are a native of... A Native American. Native American. Yes, you are. But uh, that uh, in in a couple of ways, uh, and the... We like to start our program with with a verse, and this is uh, from Second, the book of Second Timothy, chapter two. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Martin Luther wrote, "I study my Bible as I gather apples. First, I shake the whole tree that the ripest may fall. Then I shake each limb." And when I have shaken each limb, I shake each branch and every twig. Then I look under every leaf. Martin Luther on how he studies his Bible. Interesting stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we have some a bit of Texas history that Allison told me that she has done some research on and found something going on in uh, Texas history of uh, great interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, this week, well, actually this, this coming week in history, October 10th, 1956, the movie Giant was released. And uh, that was a, a really big deal of a movie. And it was filmed uh, just outside of Marfa on the Ryan Ranch, uh, just like I said, just outside of Marfa. Uh, Elizabeth Taylor starred in it, and she was 23 at the time. And the uh, Hotel Paisano, if, if anyone has, has been through um, Marfa, you're, you'd be familiar with the Hotel Paisano. Um, and that was the headquarter, headquarters for Warner Brothers for the movie. And Elizabeth Taylor, Rock Hudson, and James Dean all stayed there. Uh, they stayed there for two weeks, but then they were moved to private homes for the for the rest of the the stay. Can you However, imagine having Elizabeth Taylor uh, <laughs> staying in your guest room? <laughs> well, you you have an, you have a story. Sometimes done with this, um, but uh, the uh, cast and crew, 150, uh, stayed at the Hotel Paisano for six weeks. And although Elizabeth Taylor, Rock Hudson, and James Dean moved to into private homes they continued to dine and socialize uh in the lobby and the lounge with the the rest of the cast and the crew and guests of the hotel i assume i suppose Mm -hmm. if anybody has like i said has been to marfa and you know that hotel paisano it has a um, sister or brother whatever you want to call a relationship hotel that's in van horn well it depends on their gender (laughs) (laughs) it's in van horn that's and right. It's El Capitan. El Capitan. 
They're mm-hmm. absolutely beautiful hotels built about 1930. And both of them have been uh, very carefully restored mm-hmm. back to their original glory. Built by the, or the same architect mm-hmm. for both hotels. So they tried to make them uh, very similar and uh, t- totally restored, art, as Allison said, Art Deco. And uh, you walk into the... Uh, the front door and they're playing uh, 40s music mm-hmm. uh, so it really kind of takes you back in time mm-hmm. it's really a great place so if you ever find yourself overnight in marfa the paisano or in van horn the el capitan mm-hmm. we should get a little free night there or something for this, <laughs> we for should. this promo we, we, we've yeah. given them enough, enough. <laughs> well that's true too yeah we uh, spent uh, spent Fair. spent a lot of time there well, while we're talking about next week, uh, I told you that was October 10th, uh, which is next week, was when Giant was released in 1956. Um, next Monday is a holiday. It's Columbus Day. And uh, if you work for, for a bank or for the government, you you get a holiday. Mm-hmm. If you work so don't, don't be mailing. You don't need to mail any letters or right. do any banking on uh, next Monday. However, if you do most anything else, you probably... We'll have to go to work. Yeah, most stores will be open, and uh, right. it's pretty much a, a what they call in England a bank holiday. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, interesting, exactly. Well, that's uh, that is uh, good. It really interesting information mm-hmm. uh, about uh, the people who made that movie Giant and all the stars that were that were there in this little town of Marfa, Texas. Mm-hmm. And of course, at that time, it was much smaller than it is today, mm-hmm. and nobody had heard of Marfa, Texas. And, yeah, you point out the stars, three really big stars, and nowadays that doesn't happen. I mean, movies, who's in the movies that are being made today? Yeah, who are big stars today? I couldn't tell you. Exactly, exactly. I don't watch a whole lot of movies. Or who will be remembered, you know, 50 years from now. Sixty Or movies. Well, I don't watch many movies anymore. I used to. used to enjoy movies, but uh, there's... A lot of them are just, you know, you, you sit there and you wonder, why am I watching this? You know? <laughs> uh, well, we have some Texas news as well. Governor Abbott has called for a special session of the Texas legislator start, legislature uh, starting this Monday, which will be October 9. Um, there's, uh, and uh, there's a group called Convention of States, COS, which is a... Uh, organization that's pushing Governor Abbott to include a call for a convention, a constitutional convention, to tear up the U.S. Constitution and replace it. And, uh, you know, you've got to wonder, now why is this a good idea? Well, it's mostly leftists that are doing it. Uh, And uh, we recently talked to a gentleman who is very involved in trying to stop uh, this proposal uh, for a calling for a constitutional convention, there have to be a certain number of states uh, that call for a constitutional convention to have a new U.S. Constitution. Well, but what people don't realize that once a, a, con- a convention is called, that opens up the entire Constitution. It, it's not like adding one amendment. Uh, the entire Constitution can be ripped apart. And every, every few few years, that sort of thing is talked about. Mm-hmm. That's you know that's nothing new. Yeah. But uh, it's it's a horrible idea. The other term for it is an Article Five convention. 
Um, and uh, we in, we interviewed a gentleman who's uh, very involved uh, in this uh, in in, uh, in this fight. Um, he's uh, taken leadership. Uh, uh, he's affiliated with John Birch Society, and we had an interview with him the other day that I think you'll find of great interest. Well, welcome to the program, Fred Costa. And Fred is involved in a very interesting subject that I don't think a whole lot of people know about, but it's certainly, uh, it certainly would impact our lives tremendously. And that is called an Article 5 convention. Some people call it a convention of states, uh, where uh, some people are advocating that uh, we need a new constitutional convention, that get rid of our U.S. Constitution and, and write a new one. And Fred has been very much involved in learning about it and teaching people about it, exactly what it what it entails. And Fred, I just want to welcome you to the Bill Nelson Show today. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you, Bill. I appreciate you inviting me here. Absolutely. Well, let's start with the basics. Uh, what is this Article 5 convention that's, that people are talking about? Well, there are two ways to amend the Constitution. One, the Constitution can be uh, amended via congressionally initiated amendment, which all 27 are current amendments have been. Uh, there's been no um, convention stood up to uh, propose amendments, and it's a it's a rather dangerous idea because, as you know, legislatures write laws and conventions write governments, and we don't want our government rewritten and that's the point uh, that we're looking at here in a convention the only uh, other convention we've had was 1787 uh, the constitutional convention a compact that relies on the good faith of the participants of all the parties and what happened was our constitution is created a national government where there is compulsive power in the operation. Now states have to do what Congress uh, writes laws on as long as those laws are within the 18 enumerated powers of the Constitution. Uh, the states have given up a bit of their sovereignty to uh, the central government, the national government, but only within those uh, 18 uh, enumerated powers. Outside that, they are, uh, if Congress writes any laws outside those powers, uh, they are uh, basically in breach of contract, and we don't have to uh, enact those laws as states. What we do is nullify those laws. So two things have to be in uh, play there, and that is the law has to be unconstitutional, and we as states, must be the persons or person or entity that has to uh, enact or enforce that law. But if you know it's unconstitutional, we have no we have no demand on us to uh, enforce that law. The people back then were moral and they were religious. The people today are not so. We have a lot of problems in our current culture. It was John Adams who quoted, our Constitution was made for a moral and religious people wholly inadequate to the government of any other. And back then, they were very religious. They, they read their Bibles. They taught their kids how to read at an early age. 
church was a very big part of their society. Why do people want, why are they arguing for a convention, what they call a convention of states or Article 5 convention, and uh, what are the arguments against it? COS is a convention of states project. What they're arguing for is term limits, balanced budget, and rein in the federal government. But term limits has, have already been discussed in the convention and when it was rejected. It was in the Articles of Confederation. It didn't work. Balanced budget would only make the current spending constitutional. Currently, it is unconstitutional. All we have to do is get back to the enumerated powers and we cut 80% of the budget. Foreign aid, for example, is not constitutional, but we're giving away lots of money. Right in the federal government, that's pretty nebulous. If you want to rein in the federal government, it's not Congress's job to rein itself in. That's a lot. That's an argument they use. Congress will never rein itself in. Congress will never term limit itself. We are the owners of the government. We the people. Okay, we don't just elect Republicans and elect Republicans and expect them to do the job. We have to elect a Republican or a Democrat and stay on him and make sure he's doing a constitutional job in his voting records and stay with the constitution making a, you know having a, a vote that you know authorizes uh, spending that's outside of the constitution has to be dealt with from us the owners of the government would there be any limitations on what could be done if there was a an article 5 convention no sir there would not it is illimitable from the viewpoint of the Constitution itself and from historical and legal precedents. You cannot limit it. And the dog whistles the Convention of States have been using, term limits and uh, balanced budget and reigning folk, that all rings true for conservatives. And the left now has picked up on this. Governor Newsom is doing the same thing, calling for a 28th Amendment for gun control. And that's the left's dog whistle, and that's what they hear. Mm -hmm. So you can see both sides are being played, and there is no way to limit. So if they, the if they had the votes, they could just uh, get rid of the Second Amendment, whatever crazy thing they wanted to enact, if they, had, if they had the votes, and that would be part of the Constitution. Is that what you're saying? Mm -hmm. That's correct. What would happen would be the two parties would get together. Let's say the left got in there. You know, I mean, basically, yeah, the left will be in there along with the conservatives, and they would do what they always do. They compromise. You, we'll do your amendment, you do our amendment, and it comes out. And uh, that's what will happen, basically. Exactly. You know, exactly. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're talking with Fred Costa, who is an expert on the idea of a convention of states. He's done a lot of presentations, uh, uh, particularly around the state of Texas. And speaking of that, what is the position uh, of the Texas legislature on supporting uh, such an Article 5 convention? Since 2017, they have been supporting uh, the COS agenda. Uh, prior to that, they have rejected the COS agenda. Uh, COS has been lobbying, uh, lobbying our legislatures uh, heavily and uh, passing out lots of money. They have been stopped here in Texas. It's our job to fight it. I know COS will be back with lots of money spending. We were outgunned, outmanned, everything. Okay. Uh, what we did is we prayed. We asked God to intervene. We asked for his help. 
we didn't have you know the people we didn't have the money we only had the lord and that's who we trusted in and lo and behold things came together uh i can't even explain it i was <laughs> i was at lost for words Greg Costa, thanks so much. I think uh, we all learned uh, from you. I certainly did. And why uh, we don't need, I think our, uh, I think most of our listeners agree, our, our U.S. Constitution is inspired by God, and it's the, the finest civil government document ever written. Welcome back. We're Bill and Allison, Hill Country Patriot. And you can also hear us anytime, first couple of texasradio.com. Well, I, I promised to tell you about some, uh, some tourist attractions that are really a big deal, but uh, people who actually went to them were, were uh, unimpressed. <laughs> one, one was the Hollywood Walk of Fame, which is in the United States. It's in, it's in Los Angeles, and there are plaques, uh, about 2,700 uh, on the sidewalk, uh, commemorating some of the biggest names in the industry, um, but people rated it uh, at best average as far as a, a tourist attraction. Well, it's a sidewalk with some names on <laughs> exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. We, we have seen it, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's not, not no. terribly, terribly exciting. Uh, another one, this is also in California, is uh, Pier 39, which is in San Francisco. It's uh, Obviously, it's on the water. Um, it has stunning views of the Golden Gate Bridge, uh, Bay Bridge, and also of Alcatraz. We're, we're, we, we've been to Alcat- all those places. But, uh, but uh, people ranked it rated it as a, a big disappointment and a, another one well san francisco is a big disappointment these days yeah really i mean, i used to love san francisco yeah um another one and i'm not quite sure what here i have not been great smoky mountains national park that was a big disappointment to people yeah apparently hmm. apparently hmm. and apparently nope, uh, never it, been there yeah their website claims that it's the most visited national park um, I thought Yosemite was the most visited national park. Hmm. Hmm. Well, oh, whatever. Anyway. anyway, so so people said it's a big waste of time. <laughs> wow. Well, well, one, one said, I'm a huge supporter of our parks, but this is the worst national or state park I've ever visited. Another, yeah. another called it an absolute travesty. Well, speaking of national parks, Allison and I visited... Uh, to actually took we do this quite frequently when we have friends coming from out of town who are at all interested uh, to the LBJ Ranch mm-hmm. and uh, outside of uh, Stonewall between Stonewall and Johnson City and we're there and talking to uh, one of the I guess what do you call them docents is that the word? yeah I believe so okay or you know guides if you will. And apparently what you can do is be a volunteer guide. And this is what this fellow did, an older gentleman. And we were talking with him, and he and his wife have an RV, and they go around the country, and they volunteer at national parks and spend, you know, a couple of weeks or whatever at one park or another, and they go then they go to another one. And I uh, said uh, to him, I did, yeah, I didn't know you could do that. He, oh, yeah. And I said, uh, where are you from? He said, North Dakota. 
And I said, yeah. So I can imagine why you would want to, especially in the wintertime, do this. And he said, oh, yeah. But he said, we are moving. He said, we're moving south to warmer weather. And I said, Florida? And I kid you not, he looked at me with a straight face and said, no, South Dakota. (laughs) He was not joking. I guess when, you know, I guess the difference between 14 below and and two above is a big deal. (laughs) Whatever it might be. I don't know. I don't know. Well, okay, okay, tourist attractions that were were a disappointment. Um, One of them was Magic Kingdom Park which is in Orlando, Florida. Oh, Disney's so, Magic Kingdom. Well, that Disney. segues with my next story. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm, st- I'm not quite done. Well, okay. Um, but uh, uh, apparently people were, were greatly disappointed, and uh, I have been only because um, my employer paid for tickets, and this was quite a few years ago, and the tickets then were, I think it was like $60. It was mm. absolutely stupid. Um why my employer did that, I have no idea. But we had a business meeting in Orlando, so th- so they you know gave the staff tickets. And yes, it was stupidly expensive. Food was out- outrageously expensive, and people commented that it's impossible to ride anything because the lines are so long. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I I've never been able to understand why people go to places like that that are so, so obscenely expensive, expensive. Yeah. and they it take little kids. Mm. And and one and this I I want to argue with the Grand Bazaar, which is in Istanbul, Turkey, and uh, Bill and I have been. And uh, you, I think it's it's sort of a misnomer. It's called a Grand Bazaar, so you expect something very, very elegant grand. and <laughs> grand. But actually, it's more of a marketplace for just for everyday things. Um. And we were what what really impressed us was how friendly the people were, and the the weather was bad that day. It was raining, and a shopkeeper uh, called called us over to to his stall because it's sort of um, indoor indoors outdoors. Uh, so the shopkeeper called us over, and it was obvious that we were tourists, and he was selling children's shoes. So it was obvious that we were not potential customers. But he had his his assistant uh, get chairs for us, and he sent sent his assistant out to get us apple tea, which is very in, po- popular in Turkey. In the pouring rain. Yeah, yeah. So so this, this poor kid had to go out and and uh, so so they were anyway. This is the Grand Bazaar in Istanbul, Turkey, and um, I I was wearing a, a a scarf around my around my neck, and um, the the shopkeeper. Um, Put a, put a pin on it, and it's a. Um, you see it everywhere when you're in Turkey or around anything Turkish, and it's it's called the Turkish evil eye bead. <laughs> so he gave you an evil eye bead. Was uh-huh. that a compliment or? Something? Oh oh absolutely oh, okay. oh absolutely the, all right yeah the, the, they're very a very big deal um, they're mm-hmm. um, very um, highly prized and it's still mm-hmm. it's still on my scarf today. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, he was. Yeah, it's, it's, we were so impressed with the friendliness of the people in Turkey. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing. And, um, I don't know how it is today under Erdogan, who's the new or, you know, president since we've been there, and he's a uh, hardcore Muslim. When we were there, oh, it's the most Muslim country uh, in the world. Mo- oh, 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 the most, I guess it's it was the second in maybe Indi- in, Indonesia. Indonesia's number okay. one. Uh, so it is the second second most Muslim uh, country in the world by population, and. Uh, 
people said, well, you know, I, I it, <laughs> but they're also very, or they were, I'm again, Ergodon may have changed things, but uh, they were, when we were there, they were very secular. Mm-hmm. They were, we talked to a lot of people about their faith. And we got the impression that it's sort of like the Rotary Club. Well, you know, I'm, I'm a member of the Muslim faith. That's because, you know, my parents were, and that's what you do. Uh, <laughs> and and they, they, we learned that the uh, um, Christian population in Turkey at that time, and this was not too long ago, 10 years ago, I guess, the um, Christian population is, what, less than a half of 1%. Mm-hmm. Um, but but, but the, the, the people who, who are Muslims are not hostile to Christians. No, we asked them, well— and in fact, uh, uh, we had read the uh, Quran, uh, the, the Muslim holy book, and uh, it in it uh, it does have some very, very uh, hostile words against Christians. Kill them wherever you find them, things like that. And uh, we asked them, well, the Quran says that right there, and if you're a Muslim, you have to believe that. And the answers we got were very interesting. Um, quite often they would say that's a mistranslation. Or they would say, yeah, but that's old. You know, nobody believes that anymore. <laughs> like a lot of so-called Christians today. Oh, you know, Paul's Paul's letters and the, yeah, we don't, no, that's old stuff. We don't believe it's, it's it was culturally different back then. And uh, so those were their, those were our, their statements about uh, why they don't kill you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they meet you. Well, but, but back to the Turkish evil eye. Um, like I said, if you're... It, Near like a a, sh- a shop that sells Turkish goods, you you will see them. They're um, beautiful, um, bright blue and white, and they're everywhere. Anything Turkish is, and they are supposedly protect you from illness. They fend off, fend off evil glares, <laughs> and bring and bring good luck. Cool. Cool. So that's why I still have one pinned on my scarf. Yeah. So our we had a good time in Turkey. Loved it. Uh, mm-hmm. We we went to uh, we were on a, a Christian uh, tour group that went to the sites of the cities of Revelation of the Book of Revelation, um, Thyatira, Ephesus, and uh, Smyrna, and all those cities. Uh, they're they're ruins, but uh, some of them are very well preserved ruins. Some of them are <laughs> ruins, just mm-hmm. ruined ruins. Um, but it was fascinating to uh, learn the history and to see uh, see it in person. You know, mm-hmm. to to walk, for mm-hmm. example, in Ephesus where Paul had his tent making business. There's mm-hmm. the the uh, uh, Agora Forum where they have these carved out stalls, and you realize one of them was where Paul had his tent making business, and you're you're right there. So it quite a trip. Mm-hmm. I'm very very blessed to be on that trip. And we posted some of the uh, videos on uh, YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, if you' uh, not sure how to find them, but <laughs> uh, I, could, I could email you and ask you. Um, yeah, sure. Send me an email. Um, what's my easiest one? Uh, can't think of my easiest email. <laughs> uh, well, my last name Mencaro at gmail dot com. M E N C A R O W at gmail dot com, or you can go on. Uh, Hill Country uh, Patriot, and look under the weekend uh, programming, and you'll see how to spell that name. And mm-hmm. that's uh, web, uh, the uh, email is mincaro at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll send you a link to our videos of our visit to the Churches of Revelation. 
Well, t- talk about travel. Um, we've spent this week out in um, Middle America. Mm-hmm. We were out in Illinois and Iowa, and had a very interesting conversation. Our friend out there has an 18-year-old daughter who is filling out applications for college, and she was applying for a college uh, at a university in Iowa. And the form, uh, she, she could, couldn't understand a question on a form, so she left it blank. Um, but they would not process her application with because she hadn't filled it out properly. Uh, what it asked her was what her pronouns were. She had to call her mother and ask what her pronouns were. Yeah. Because she 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 didn't know what she was supposed to say. Yeah. Isn't she, that absurd? That a that a university and, in th- Iowa. This is Iowa. University Iowa. of Northern Iowa. Yeah. Would, I mean, would ask such a why? question and refuse to consider an applicant unless they said they mm-hmm. responded what their pro- pronouns were. Right. I mean, these kids, to their credit, don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. You know. So, yeah. I'm not sure what my what are mine. Uh, P.O.D. American, the last one I heard <laughs> oh, you say. that's right. I forgot. I forgot about that. Thank you. All right. Thank you for remembering. Well, moving on from that subject, uh, of course, related, because the, the idea is this pronoun stuff and gender fluidity, uh, it's all designed to confuse the younger generation to... You're um, stupid. It is stupid. Yes, it is stupid. But it's also very dangerous. Uh, it's stupid. Okay, thank you. The idea is to con- to convince really, the young really younger stupid. generation of almost anything. I mean, if you can convince people that when a child is born, as some goof um, professor said last week, well, when a child is born, we don't know what sex they are. I mean, when you when you can convince people of that. The government can convince them of anything. If you remember the 1984, the book and the, the couple of movies, uh, Winston, who is the protagonist in the in the film and in the in the book as well, um, at the the his interrogator, his brainwasher with the government, uh, would hold up. I think it was two fingers, and he would say, "How many fingers am I holding up?" And Winston would say, two. and he'd say, "No, Winston, it's three. And he said, it's not three, it's two. No, Winston, it's three. And by brainwashing, he got him to believe that at the end of the movie, at the end of the book, how many fingers am I holding up? And he's holding up two fingers. And Winston says, three fingers. And he says, do you really believe that? He said, well, yes, three fingers. And he did believe it. And that's what they're trying to get us, get our young people to believe. Anything, anything the government tells them. Well, I mentioned that Disney. No, I, I mentioned, well, you mentioned Disney, didn't you? Mm-hmm, I yeah, did. Yeah, Magic it, Kingdom. And uh, how what a ripoff Magic Kingdom is. Well, Disney is losing billions of dollars. Oh shoot! What? I... Okay, stay away from Disney. Is that what that is? Good. That's very good, Allison. I like that. Didn't expect it, but I like it. Okay. Yeah, these the, the the buttons on this board are so sensitive. I that was segued right into what I was saying. <laughs> Stay away. Uh, Disney is losing billions. Disney stock has tanked thirty five percent over the past five years that they become woke. Um, almost all of Disney's movies flop. Uh, and why? It's because they've gone woke. 
2022, last year, Disney produced more homosexual content than any other movie studio. Second place didn't even come close. You know, there was a time Disney was a brand for children, a brand that protected the innocence of children. I think most of us grew up that with, with wonderful Disney movies and did not expose them to adult sexuality or the transgender crap. I mean, the horrors of transgender and uh, suicide rates, general mutilation, sterilization. Uh, Disney is aimed at little kids. Uh, Disney released 59 films in 2022, and 24 of them were what a pro-gay organization called GLAAD said they were LGBT-inclusive films. 24 out of 59. Now, that's not representation, that's grooming. Uh, it's not just, just saying, well, we have to be inclusive. No, no, that's child grooming. By the way, LGBT does not stand for Liberty, Guns, Beer, and Trump. Well, it, here it does. Here in the bunker it does. in the bunker it does. But no, when you put, what, 2% of the population in 41% of your movies, that's, that's propaganda. But when you put 2% of the population in 41% of your children's movies, that's grooming. As Allison mentioned, we just spent the past week uh, in Illinois and Iowa. Uh, and we didn't go into Chicago. We didn't go into Des Moines. We went in smaller towns. And I'm, you know, M- middle America. Grew up, grew up in Moline, Illinois. And we were exposed to, you know, many, many people over that week. Not a single one revealed their sexuality <laughs> to us. <laughs> Good point. I, I, didn't even, I didn't even know this. Darn. Not one man wore women's clothes. Uh, none of them were, we didn't see any drag queens. Uh, maybe some were gay. I don't know. But that's the point. We don't know. That's right. We don't know and we don't care. They didn't share. You know, there's, there's with with Disney, this garbage is shoved, shoved in our faces and shoved in the face of a child is sick and twisted. And Disney that aims its content directly at children is shoving it more than any other studio. A children's studio that produced 24 movies with homosexual propaganda. No other studio came close. Studio came close. Um, I mean, decent people, parents don't want their children exposed to this crap. Uh, protecting the innocence of a child is... Every bit as important to their psychological well-being as protecting them from violence to their physical well-being. You know, this is not about teaching tolerance. You can teach a tolerance for people who are different without encouraging them to cut off their breasts or expose them to, to uh, filth. You know, Disney is purely an evil country. Uh, country. Company. 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 Um, the woman named Latoya Raveno, who's an executive producer for Disney, uh, she's worked on shows such as The Proud Family, and we have an audio. Uh, it was snuck out of a, of a meeting of Disney executives uh, by somebody there. Thank, thank the Lord, there's somebody there who said this is beyond belief. Uh, and we'll pl- we'll play that audio for you. She was pleasant. She explained. But I'll explain it to you so you can hear it. Because um, in case there's some parts of it you don't understand, uh, can't understand, uh, just because of the quality of the audio. Uh, but she said she was happy about the 
open-mindedness of Disney uh, toward the you know LGBT etc. agenda, uh, particularly as it relates to quote in her words adding queerness uh, to Disney. Uh, she said our leadership over there has been so welcoming to my not at all secret gay agenda unquote. And you'll hear her say this wherever I can I'm I was basically adding queerness to Disney and to the to the show she worked on. Nobody would stop me. Nobody was trying to stop me. Okay, here is Latoya Reveno in a in a an audio that was snuck out of the Disney um, Zoom call uh, and made public. Our leadership over there has been so welcoming to like my like not at all secret gay agenda, and so I don't have to be afraid to like let's have. Wherever I could, just basically adding queerness to, like, the, if you see anything queer in the show, I'm proud of But, like, I, I just was like, no one would stop me and no one was trying to stop me. To make me happy through the years, never bring me Well, we're Bill and Allison on the Hill Country Patriot, your information station. I'm going to take a quick little break to hear some important announcements, so stay with us. And when we come back, we're going to give you a couple reasons why we think you should vote Democrat. Welcome back. We're Bill and Allison, Hill Country Patriot, first couple of TexasRadio.com. Thank that, you for joining us. And that's where you can hear our past shows, our podcasts, and download them to your favorite digital device. First couple of TexasRadio.com. Well, I said I'd give you a couple reasons to vote Democrat. So many good reasons that you should. I mean, for example... I vote Democrat because I believe the government will do a better job of spending the money I earn than I would. Mm -hmm. Um, I think illegal aliens have a right to our tax money to provide them with health care, education, airline transportation, and so much more. Cell phones, did you mention that? Hmm? Cell phones? Oh, and cell phones. You're right. They all get cell phones, don't they? Mm -hmm. Free cell phones. uh, Free uh, tuition to college. Yeah, and they get that. I believe the figure is twenty one hundred dollars when they first come into this country. They're given twenty one hundred dollars. Yeah. So, uh, well, I, I vote Democrat. I think it's better for people for. I'm sorry, better to pay billions of dollars for oil to people who hate us. You know, when as Senator John Kennedy from Louisiana said, "Why do we give them, <laughs> give these countries so much money that people hate us? So, you know, they they would hate us for free. We don't have to pay them." <laughs> Um, but uh, no, it's better to pay billions for oil to people who hate us, but not drill our own, because it might upset some endangered beetle or gopher or fish here in America. See, we don't care about the beetles, gophers, or fish in those other countries. We only care about them here. You ever notice that? Good point. Mm, yeah, very, very noticed that. Very noticed. Very noticed. Is that, is, I don't think I'm speaking English. Uh, there's a. Senate candidate in the state of Virginia who has probably about the best political ad that that, uh, Alice and I have ever heard. His name is Hung Kao, H-U-N-G and C-A-O, Hung Kao, Hung Kao. Uh, 
and uh, we thought uh, that you'd get a kick out of out of his ad. This is the scariest sound you will hear when you live in a communist country. This is the last sound my parents heard when their fathers were taken away in the middle of night and they never saw their loved ones again. That's the sound of losing your freedom, the sound of always living in fear. That's my family's real life story. We escaped from Vietnam just days before Saigon fell to the communists. We were given a new life in the most generous country on earth. America saved my life. I graduated from the United States Naval Academy. I earned a master's in physics and fellowships at MIT and Harvard before the left replaced merit with racial quotas. I spent my life trying to repay my debt to America, my country, our country. With 25 years of service in Navy Special Operations, combat in Iraq, Afghanistan, and Somalia. But now our country has taken a dark turn. That's Joe Biden's Justice Department sending two dozen armed agents to arrest a pro-life activist in front of his family. That's Joe Biden's IRS raiding a gun shop and seizing thousands of records from law-abiding gun owners. Our names, our addresses, our social security numbers. That's Joe Biden arresting his challenger in the next election, a former president of the United States. And now a different sound. That's the sound of someone breaking into your home or business. The sound of crime destroying our cities and communities. That's how it all starts. They let criminals back on our streets. Millions of illegal immigrants pour across our border each year, including military-aged men from all over the world and enough fentanyl to kill every man, woman, and child in this country. And the Biden family? Well, that's how it works in a dictatorship. The rules don't apply to the rulers. We are losing our country. You know it, but you also know you can't say it. We're forced to say that wrong is right. We're forced to lie. We can't let that happen. I've been all over the world. Believe me when I tell you, if America fails, there's nowhere else to go. I'm Hung Kao, retired Navy captain running for United States Senate. I still believe America can be the land of opportunity. I have an obligation to fight back against those who want to control our lives and disrupt our families. We need real fighters, not politicians, not bureaucrats, not keyboard warriors acting tough in a custom-made suit. No, not here in America. We must refuse to be intimidated. We must be fearless. I'm Hong Kao. I'm running for Senate, and I approve this message because I'm not done fighting for us. Unfortunately, Hong Kao is running in the state of Virginia, not in the state of Texas, against uh, uh, Cornyn. It's unfortunate, but uh, maybe he'll be he'll be running for higher office if he makes it in Virginia. Mm-hmm. But I, we thought, Allison and I thought that was such a great political ad, one of the best we've ever heard. And we've, we've mm-hmm. heard a few. <laughs> we certainly have. That's that, and that's our background is working in politics. We worked in uh, Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. for the United States House of Representatives for many years. That's how we met, as a matter of fact, as mm-hmm. staffers uh, for congressional office. Uh, we were both press secretaries at the time. Mm-hmm. and uh, Members of Congress. 
uh, for members of Congress, and uh, then I worked as a as a legislative director, which is uh, you know obviously what the word title says. You deal with legislation, and uh, yeah, but Bill got to be on Good Morning America. <laughs> <laughs> Not under yeah, circumstances that you would want to be on because Bill's. Con- Congressman Voss was in a sex scandal. <laughs> yes, not not the not the reason you want to be on any TV show. I had to defend my boss, who was involved in a uh, a rather unseemly <laughs> scandal. Uh, well, let's see. She was seventeen. All right, he was married. To, never, no, 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 we don't have to go into that. Uh, but uh, that's uh, it. Certainly makes life more interesting. Well, yeah, and that's when I did uh, say that. Uh, if we required the resignations of all congressmen who slept with uh, young ladies who were not their wives, we wouldn't have a Congress. And and Bill made front page of the Washington Post. Yeah, that comment and made t- the front t- page. Time and Newsweek. Front page of the Washington Post, <laughs> Time, Newsweek, Life, picked it, all picked it up. And uh, so that uh, I had some splaining to do. <laughs> but, oh, you wouldn't believe the number of people. Uh, congressional staff i'd be walking down the hall the canon house office building or rayburn or uh longworth and they'd come up to me and say that was great bill that was great so many congressional staff agreed with that how about that and that's kind of scary isn't it now the first couple of texas radio here's bill and allison mencaro Welcome back. I'm yeah, Allison. I am curious. Why were people that were worried about Trump being a Russian agent not worried about Biden being a Chinese agent? Good question. Good question. Or Mitch McConnell being a Chinese agent, since his wife mm-hmm. is so tied in with the Chinese mm-hmm. communists. Well, she's Chinese. Well, yeah, but that doesn't mean all Chinese are oh, communists. Oh, that's true. That's true. She's she's her family is. Uh, tied in business-wise. She she comes from a very wealthy family in China, Mitch McConnell's wife, Elaine Chow, uh, and she is completely tied in with the Chinese Communist Party in in her business, uh, in her family's business. So why why were people that were worried about Trump, for example, also McConnell, but Trump is what I want to focus on, being a Russian agent but not worried about Biden being a Chinese agent? Uh, You know, the Biden family has done five deals in China that we know of so far, totaling some $31 million arranged by individuals with direct ties to Chinese intelligence, some reaching the very top of China's spy agency. Uh, Every known deal that we're finding out that the Biden crime family enjoyed with Beijing was reached courtesy of individuals with ties to China's spy agency. And Joe Biden personally benefited from his family's foreign deals. He's doing business with top Chinese intelligence officials. You know, Hunter, Allison, Hunter Biden's text message uh, to his daughter Naomi. And we know this because we got, got, got these text messages. Said he gives 50% of his money to Joe Biden. Um, uh, the Hunter text saying 50% goes to Joe, was exposed by a congressman, Byron Donalds, from Florida. Um, and here it is. Quote, this is the text message from Hunter Biden to, to his daughter. Quote, I hope you can do what I did and pay for everything for this entire family for 30 years. Uh, 
He's being facetious. <laughs> it's really hard. But don't worry. Unlike Pop, meaning Joe Biden, I won't make you give me half your salary. Unquote. So again, why were people that were worried about Trump being a Russian agent not worried about Biden being a Chinese agent? Uh, here's Jesse Waters on that subject. So uh, Putin's billionaire buddy wires the Biden family three and a half billion dollars. And then they sit down for dinner with Joe Biden. And then Biden leaves her off the sanctions list twice. Right there, you could open an impeachment inquiry. Or how about when Joe Biden flies his son to China, he comes back with a bucket of cash and then gets on the, hey, guys, you better pay up the rest or my dad's going to get revenge on you. And what do you know? Joe Biden starts writing the communist Chinese guy's daughter's recommendations to get into Brown. And then they grease the regulatory process so the Chinese can buy an American car company. Oh, yeah. And then Hunter gets that diamond for about $75,000 that he lost. Because if Malia Obama got a diamond and then President Obama went soft on the country that gave it to him, I'm sure that would not be a big deal at all. And then who else do we have? We have uh, Biden flies his son down to Mexico City. Hunter meets with the president of Mexico and Carlos Slim, comes back with money and then complains. Guys, I've gotten all of your clients into the White House to meet with my dad and you haven't paid me a dime. Where's the cash? They can't answer those three situations. So I can't wait till they have to answer about the burner phones, the 20 shell companies, or Joe Biden on a voicemail saying, uh, son, I read the Times piece about your shady deals in China. You're in the clear. Now, how would he even know if he was in the clear if he didn't know what his son did? And how do you not know what your son did if you call your son every day for the last 20 years? Hey, son, how'd you get the Porsche panorama? Hey, son, where did you get all the money to take me to St. Croix eight times in a row? Did you know that the Bidens vacationed in St. Croix, notorious tax shelter, eight seasons in a row? I mean, Joe didn't pay for that. That money was coming from Hunter or from Jimmy. And Jimmy was putting his brother up in a nice Naples resort that he purchased right off the coast. Who paid for that? Jimmy's a scam artist. He doesn't do anything. And then all of a sudden, well, he didn't do anything to return the money. Well, he didn't pop the Chinese spy balloon, covered up for the lab leak, been covering up for all the countries that have been paying his family. So they're going to have to answer for all of this. There's a mountain of evidence that they can't confront, and they keep on saying this is the best thing that's ever happened to the Biden White House. I don't think Joe Biden believes that. Well, that was the weirdest trip to the nail salon I've had in a long time. There was these girls beside me just talking really, really loud. And I try not to listen to other people's conversation, but they were talking so loud. It was like they wanted you to hear. So they live in a mobile home park and they were talking about this family where there's a husband and a wife and the wife passes away from like cancer and the husband then marries the babysitter. It's later found that he was taking showers with his daughter when she was much too old. Um, there's an uncle that's sleeping with his niece, a brother who is banging his dead brother's widow while having an affair with her sister and simultaneously knocking up a stripper. Except here's the kicker. This family didn't live in the mobile home park. They live at the White House. This is the first family they were talking about, the Bidens. And that's who's running our country. To make me happy, make me happy. Through, the years. through the years, never bring me 
Well, you're listening to Bill and Allison show on the Hill Country Patriot, your information station. We're going to be right back after a short break. When we come back, we're going to tell you about the most unusual commercial, maybe the worst commercial you've ever heard. Stay with us. Welcome back. We're Bill and Allison, Hill Country Patriot, first couple of TexasRadio.com. That we are. That we are. And we have our podcast there, our previous shows. You can download them to your favorite digital device and listen to them anytime you like. Hmm? Okay. Okay, you're going to tell us about a commercial? I was going to tell you about... I don't know if this is the most unusual commercial ever made or the worst commercial ever made. I guess or the funniest commercial. Is it? You know, I, I like I like those TV shows where they they compile uh, a lot of really funny and. Oh yeah. I haven't seen one of those for a while. Yeah, that's because we cut the cord. Els <laughs> <laughs> and I have finally cut the cord, and uh, we're we're totally streaming we're, now. I was going to say we're winging it. Yeah. So as as a result, I hardly ever watch TV. I that's true too, which is not a bad thing. Well, when when Fox got rid of Tucker, Tucker, I stopped watching Fox. Yeah, yeah, and that's about the only thing we ever watched. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I mean, I would watch starting with Tucker at seven. I I watched mm-hmm. all evening. Mm-hmm. Well, the worst commercial or the most unusual or the bizarre. Uh, this is uh, this goes back to the 1980s, I think. Uh, Protestant clergyman named Ronald Stevens. He was signed to endorse a margarine uh, brand in a television commercial. And uh, what he said was, "I believe on the commercial. I believe it is my duty to spread the gospel at every opportunity." And people assumed that the gospel was the brand of margarine that he was going <laughs> Another <laughs> spread the gospel. Another was another line in the commercial was margarine has goodness in it, and the body needs the fats and margarine as the soul needs God. Oh, <laughs> wow i mean what can you say to that 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 reminds me of there's a song i don't know if churches i have probably some churches that sing it uh it's the worst worst i've ever heard of for a supposedly christian song drop kick me jesus <laughs> through, through the, the goalposts of life uh-huh. it's true stuff true uh-huh. there is such a thing I don't know. You wonder about churches that think that's Christianity, that that's the Bible. <laughs> you know, I mean, what an abomination. Would you think Jesus would be pleased with that and he walked into your church and heard you singing that stuff? Wow. Wow. Well, Microsoft co-founder Bill Gates, this is, okay, this, this, is, uh, this is hard to believe. I, you know, I had to check the sources and go to several sources, Allison and I both did, to find that, this is a true story. 
Microsoft co-founder Bill Gates has admitted that climate crisis prophecies of doom are a hoax. Bill Gates, uh, he says that global warming, he's decided, does n- is not going to bring about the apocalypse. I, he, isn't he one of the biggest proponents? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's why I thought, well, this is a fake story. But, right. you know, I looked at several sources, reliable sources, and they say it's true. So, you know, until I'm proven wrong, uh, Gates told uh, a bunch of people at uh, somewhere, a New York Times event in New York City this past week. Uh, that the climate doom narrative has now become so exaggerated that the public now sees right through the charade. Uh, Of course, it's a total 180 from what he used to say. Mm -hmm. Um, He said, no temperate company, company, no temperate country is going to be uninhabitable due to global warming. And he said, the aggressive fear tactics are no longer working on the public. Uh, he said, quote, if you try to do climate brute force, you'll get people who say, I like climate, but I don't want to bear that cost and reduce my standard of living. How about that? Hmm. Yeah, how about that? Uh, he also, uh, the the thing that Gates is now, I don't know if he's on drugs or something, he's also now against that he's put $6.6 billion into a project to chop down 70 million acres of trees. Now, you remember when environmentalists were called tree huggers because they wanted to save the trees. Oh, good point. Now Bill Gates, up till last week, wanted to cut down as many trees as possible in the interests of reducing global warming whatever that means how trees that produce you know trees as elementary school kids will tell you trees breathe in carbon dioxide Mm -hmm. and expel oxygen Mm -hmm. so we want to cut them down to reduce (laughs) carbon dioxide what so but that's that's his he has an organization gates called breakthrough energy uh they want to chop down 70 million acres of trees to fight climate change. Uh, and after the trees have been chopped down, they're, they're going to be buried. So now now Gates is against it. I mean, I, th- this is this looks like a Babylon Bee story, but it's not. Uh, you know, he's... Plan- I thought planting more trees was good for the environment. You know, I guess I'm a tree hugger now. <laughs> now that it's not... Now the left has gone 180. But it, that's, that is just... Absolutely bizarre. Here's J.P. Sears on the subject of climate change. Just out here taking my climate change measurements. As you can see, the sea levels have devastatingly risen to the exact same level they've been for the past 300 years. I mean, that's what makes climate change so dangerous. You can't see it. You can't feel it. You can't measure it. It's like a concealed weapon. And there's other things to worry about, too. Like, for example, there's a lot of unjust things happening in the world. Like, did you hear about the Supreme Court overturning Biden's authoritarian student loan forgiveness plan? So, like, what are they expecting me to be responsible for paying back the student loan that I took out? That's not my responsibility, and that's unfair. It'd be easier if whoever gave me the loan was just stuck with the loss of money. 
It's a pretty simple solution if you ask me. And not only do I think student loans should be forgiven, I think home loans should be forgiven too. Because here's my home. Pretty nice, isn't it? But guess what? I don't want to keep paying for it. And yes, I do deserve to keep it. All they would have to do is just cancel all home loans. Then nobody would be burdened by having to pay for the houses that they bought. But then who would pay back the company that gave you the loan? Well, I don't know much about economics because I'm not a biologist, but I am of the opinion that they don't need to be paid back. So if we just did that, then I would be better off at someone else's expense. And I'm not going to pay another penny on my student loans no matter what they say. And I couldn't even if I wanted to. Because it turns out my degree in gender studies that cost me $150,000 doesn't really lend me a lot of job opportunities. Surprising. And I'll tell you what else bothers me. Open borders. And why ours isn't more open. Like, borders open, guys. Come on in. What could go wrong? But then you have Texas authorities closing off sections of the border with razor wire. Like, what are they trying to do? Make the border a border or something? Extremists? But luckily, the Biden administration cut down the razor wire so more people can easily illegally enter our country, which is their legal right to do so, according to my truth. And not only do I think us having an open border should be mandated, but I think us having open doors on our homes should be mandated. As long as having open borders is such a good thing, it should be illegal for you to close your front door. Why? because having a closed front door is uninclusive to people who you don't want in your home. But I think it's time we amplify the equitable diversity of inclusiveness to allow people who we don't want in our homes to be in our homes. Because that's what we want. No human is illegal, all lives matter, and trust the science kind of thing. It's a fact that closed front doors are racist and xenophobic because there's a chance that the person on the other side of the door is a different race than you. And at the very least, there's a chance that they're a different person than you. So given that there's only upside to open borders, we can bring all of those same benefits to our individual homes if we can get this open front door policy passed. And if someone comes in and trashes your house, guess what? It's simple. Just go buy a new house by taking out a home loan that you won't have to pay back. See, that's how the economy should work. <laughs> J.P. Sears. Great okay, guy. That's great. Um, by the way, uh, if any of you out there have Samsung phones, um, I, I have a Samsung phone. And uh, as, as I mentioned, we were traveling this past week, and that was my only means of communication. And I started getting this really weird error message. And, um, you know, I, I just thought, thought maybe it was a, a, a virus or something. I, I would go to plug in a charger, and it said, uh, unplug the charger immediately because moisture has been de detected in your phone. Well, my phone hasn't been anywhere near, you know, moisture. So, uh, like I said, I, I thought it was a virus. So, I, I finally Googled it, and that really is um, a legitimate error message. So, what you have to do is a, just a hard, um, what do you call it, turning it off? Mm -hmm. You know, just a total totally powered off and, and and the message finally went away but it, you've just started getting this you had the phone for a while and all oh, of a sudden yeah, you're I've getting had the, had the phone for a couple of years anyway and now you're getting the message mm -hmm. um, but you never did it before correct that's why we thought it was a, some kind of virus right or but anyway that's samsung yeah yeah and that's how, that's how you get rid of it just do a, a hard um reset re reset yeah yeah well here's some good news for you 
Hospitals, some hospitals, are refusing to perform gender and hormonal mutilations even where it is legal. Uh, we got, uh, found an audio clip of Boston Children's Hospital, and uh, this is this is kind of hard to believe, but uh, here is uh, what Boston Children's Hospital says, which is, I think, the second largest uh, children's hospital in the United States. At Boston Children's Hospital for Top Well, okay. At Boston Children's Hospital for Top Surgeries, we'll see people as young as age 15 if they've been affirmed in their gender for a long period of time. As young as age 15. As young as age 15. As young as age 15. Yeah, they'll do top surgery for children young as age 15. Uh, I just uh, read um, on the plane coming back that. A Planned Parenthood, uh, and parents are suing now, a Planned Parenthood uh, so-called counseled an autistic child, I believe the child is about 14 or 15, counseled an autistic child, supposedly counseled, for 30 minutes, no more, and then gave him a prescription for um, estrogen because he said he was a female. Wow. Yeah. And their parents are suing. He, they didn't know, and parent, Planned Parenthood didn't tell the parents about it. The only way the parents found out was that uh, he told the kid told them, and then they were able to track his cell phone uh, to find out that he was at Planned Parenthood and that they did go to the drugstore and and get the get the estrogen. Uh, so they Planned Parenthood is doing more of that stuff now than they are abortions, according to the article I read. Uh, they're they're totally on board the transgender stuff but the good news as i said there are some hospitals that are refusing to perform gender and hormonal mutilations even where it's legal Uh, and because medical providers are wary of harsh liability possibilities and haven't we said on this program since the get-go that uh you know we wish we were young attorneys because we would go into the (laughs) you know were you mutilated as a child you know Call and contact us. There's going to be a ton of lawsuits. You're going to see ads, if they're not already, since we said we don't watch much TV, uh, for lawyers saying, were you mutilated against your will? Uh, did did people do things to you that uh, when you were a minor, uh, you know, surgery or, or hormonal, you know, um, puberty blockers? I think we're going to see that. It's going to be, a, mm-hmm. a you know, just like you see the mesothelioma Mm-hmm. ads and, and things like that for lawyers on TV. But at, at least 22 states have now enacted laws restricting or band, banning gender and hormonal mutilation for minors. And they all ban gender mutilation surgery for minors. So that's a bit of good news. Glad to hear it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Bill, did you know that mortgage rates which we just heard a bit on the other, a few minutes ago, mortgage rates have are the highest they've been since the year 2000. They're 7.8%. 2000. 2000. So 23, 23 years. years. Mortgage rates are the highest in 23 mm-hmm. years. How about, that? How about that? Wow. Wow. Under Trump, they were like 3%. Mm-hmm. Now they're, set, what, 7.7? So almost 8%. Exactly. Man, so, oh man, oh man. You know, Bill, I think we need to move. 
Let's. <laughs> I don't want to move out of Texas. <laughs> Let's. Well, I I think we should move to Alaska. Uh, every year <laughs> since. 19- well, this is a good month to move to Alaska. October. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there in December. Great. Every year since 1982, Alaska residents have been receiving their annual dividend from the state oil earnings fund. Uh, re- residents this year receive $1,312 each. And Alaska has no income tax. Now, as I re- we, we used to have neighbors, um, he was in the military, they were from Alaska, they were Alaska residents. Um, we knew them when they lived in Virginia, and I believe even their children got that. Wow. Do, do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Yeah, the little tiny children. Yeah. Um, every, everybody in the family got, got uh, it's a different amount every year, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know. That's still not as much as illegals get when they come into the country. Uh-huh. They get $2,100. Good, uh, good point. Didn't you know that? Yeah. Didn't you know that? Actually, uh, we have an audio of, of that. Um, if I can find, yeah, it's to the left there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is uh, this is Colonel Douglas McGregor, uh, who's a full bird colonel in the U.S. Army, retired, former senior advisor to the Secretary of Defense. So uh, this is what uh, Colonel McGregor. Uh, says about uh, you know I'm mentioning illegals getting I think it was 2100 but he'll he'll mention the the figure but uh, these are some things that uh, certainly we didn't know and uh, you may not know either Colonel Douglas McGregor the average American earns about thirty one thousand dollars a year the average American pays about sixteen thousand six hundred dollars a year a person who works all his life and then tries to draw on Social Security can expect a monthly payment of probably $1,400, if they're lucky, $1,400. We hand every alleged asylum seeker, illegal migrant, pouring into the border in Texas or wherever else, we hand them when they get there $2,200. And we put them on that $2,200 diet from there on out per month. Yet somebody who works all his life, retires and draws Social Security, gets 1400 Now, if you can make sense out of this, please try, because I don't think most Americans can make sense out of this at all. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, that was Colonel You're Douglas. Stupid. Colonel Douglas MacArthur. He's not stupid. No. The whole policy is stupid. stupid. Yes, 20, the, the policy is stupid. Yeah, yeah. $2,200 a You're month. Stupid. A month. Wow. Really stupid. Yeah. Well, speaking of scams, Jesse Waters has exposed a scam. Yeah. I I do like Jesse Waters. I'm saying I'm don't don't watch much Fox, but I do yeah. like Jesse Waters. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's uh here's a here's a little fable before we uh, talk about Jesse Waters, because he's got something that relates to this. But uh, let's talk about this little fable. Uh, A farmer farms over 10,000 acres of corn in the Midwest. Property is spread out over three counties, and there are such people. Mm -hmm. Uh, They don't own, most of them don't own 10,000 acres, but they farm for others. They're Mm -hmm. called custom farmers. And uh, we know a few of them uh, just Mm -hmm. visited with them this past week. Um, Ron Swanson owns, mm-hmm. owns a, 
other, owns a lot of farm himself, but he also farms for other people. He's got mm-hmm. a big operation, a lot of people working for him. So it's not unusual to have thou- several thousand acres of corn to uh, farm. So uh, this guy's operation is a partnership farm with John Deere. Uh, they use the uh, farm operation as demonstration projects for the promotion development of new John Deere equipment. Well, he got a call from his John Deere representative. They want the farm to go to electric tractors and combines. Okay. Now, this is a fable. This never actually happened. I checked, checked around and made sure John Deere is not yet pushing this. But this, is so, but this may happen very soon. Uh, he currently has five diesel combines that cost $900,000 each, traded in every three years. He has 10 really huge tractors. So uh, his uh, farm implement company wants him to go all electric. Well, his response was, well, I have some questions. How do I charge these combines when they're three counties away from the shop and they're in the middle of a cornfield? How do I run them 24 hours a day for 10 or 12 days straight when the harvest is ready and the weather's coming in? How do I get a 50,000-pound combine that takes up the width of an entire road back to the shop 20 miles away when the battery goes dead? So, you know, when the corn is ready to harvest, it has to have the proper moisture content. If it's too wet, it has to be put in giant dryers that burn natural gas or propane gas, and a lot of it. Harvest time is critical because if it degrades in quality, it can drop the value of its crop by half a million dollars, more, more. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's standard procedure to run farm equipment at harvest 10 to 12 days straight, two weeks straight, sometimes three weeks, depends on the weather, if you can get in the field, too wet, whatever. Farmers are out there in the middle of the night. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 24 hours a day at peak harvest time. So when they need fuel, a tanker truck delivers it, and the machines keep going. And so what what are the farm implement companies doing? Well, we're working on it. So they're being pushed by the government, the Biden administration, to force these electric machines on American farmers. Well, when we come back from the break... We'll hear from Jesse Waters about what this whole electric vehicle is. uh, A lot of it is a scam to make politicians rich. And we have the proof on the Bill Analysis Show on the Hill Country Patriot, your information station. Stay tuned for that revelation. Welcome back. We're Bill and Allison. Here every Saturday morning. First couple of TexasRadio.com. Mm-hmm. 8 to 10 o'clock Saturday mornings on the Hill Country Patriot, your information station for the entire Texas Hill Country. We cover, ooh, Fredericksburg, Kerrville, Centerpoint, Comfort, Bandera, Hunt, Harper, Ingram, Johnson City, Mountain Home, Junction, getting down to Bernie. I don't know. I don't. The, the map's not in front of me. It's I can't look at it at the moment. But it's it's a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Well, Stonewall. All over Hill. All over Hill. Hill Albert. Mm-hmm. The, the the place that there won't be <laughs> a festival. Oh, thanks to the hardworking people in uh, in Albert at the uh, Chamber of Commerce and other places. Well, we were talking about the farmer. That was the fable, but that could come true very soon. Farm implement companies insisting that they take go electric on farming, which is 
ain't, ain't ready yet. That's not going to happen. Not for a long time. You know, this whole electric thing, we've got, they say they, we have four to 500 years of fossil fuels left. Uh, don't you think sometime in the four, next four or 500 years we'll figure out a way to get off fossil fuels and have something else? But uh, the way, the only reason wind power and solar uh, is working on a large scale uh, is through tax subsidies. Uh, they're not really energy efficient. Uh, so that's Jesse Waters, as we said before we took a break there. Jesse Waters had something interesting to say about this whole, particularly with this electric bus business. I'm not going to um, um, try to predict what Jesse says, uh, but just uh, here's Jesse Waters. Kamala Harris was in Philadelphia today talking about her most cherished thing. Workers are building electric buses so people can get where they need to go. What the vice president didn't tell you was America's biggest electric bus company just went belly up. The company's called Proterra, and it filed for bankruptcy this week. Proterra was Biden and Kamala's golden boy. It was the company that was supposed to eradicate diesel. Taxpayers were funding it, and now the money's gone. We don't know how many possible hundreds of millions of dollars we lost. We don't know where the money went. But we do know this bankrupt electric bus company had access to at least $8 billion. Democrats thought they picked a winner. Kamala toured their factory. Mayor Pete toured their factory. Even Biden touted it. We ought to be the single most significant suppliers of electric buses and vehicles in the world. You guys are getting us in the game. It's going to make a lot of difference. Well, now they're out of the game because the company was a scam. In California, the bus is caught on fire. In Philly, they broke down. And in Alaska, the batteries froze in the cold. And in Minnesota, they stalled out on the hills. The wheels on the bus do not go round and round. And it takes a year to fix an electric bus because the parts are so rare. So why would the Democrats invest so much political capital and taxpayer capital in a broken electric bus company? Because it was a pump and dump scheme. Al Gore had millions invested in the company while he was lobbying the White House to herald it. George Soros had over 20 million invested in Proterra. Jennifer Granholm, Biden's energy secretary, sat on the company's board. She held stock in Proterra while she was secretary and then sold it for about one and a half mil. Joe Biden even put the Proterra CEO on a prestigious government board. And reports say Proterra insiders dumped their stock before the company went bankrupt. This was a political pump and dump. Cash out before the crash. Proterra's stock is now worth 17 cents a share. Well, time flies like an arrow, Allison. <laughs> fruit, fly, fruit flies like a banana. I know. you got to chew on that for a while to figure that one out. <laughs> From Proverbs, we close the show. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Thank you, Allison, for being the engineer today. You're welcome. You did a great job, as always. <laughs> Join us 8 to 10 Saturday, the Bill and Allison Show on the Hill Country Patriot.